Well, we started talking about this, uh, we're using this football theme on, uh, see, what was that? Uh, Super Bowl Sunday, I think it was. And uh, we've been using the concept of settle for less, which a lot of people do, or receive God's best. For the rest of your life, you're going to make a choice every day, whether you'll settle for less or whether you will receive God's best and you do it God's way. We've been using the quarterback as, as an example of Christ. We've been using the, the playbook for the football team as the Bible. And if you and I will do what football players do and they really follow the direction of the quarterback and they really believe and understand and have consumed the playbook and they're where the quarterback tells them to be, boom, they'll receive that pass, step across the finish line, touchdown, win the game. And uh, one of the things we've been learning over the last month is that you don't want to go out of bounds. If you deliberately go out of bounds, that's the equivalent of just sin, you know, deliberately sin, you go out of bounds, what quarterback's ever going to throw you the ball? None. Because he knows I'm throwing the ball away if I throw it out of bounds. Because you can't do nothing with it, you know. So we don't want to be out of bounds. We, we want to be in the right position. And we've learned that we got to have a, a forgiving heart. If you're bitter towards someone, you're not in the right position. You're out of bounds, you know. We just got to do it according to the playbook, you know. So we've learned and we've been encouraged along that line. And, oh, I don't know, this week, next week, we're going to wrap this thing up. But let me tell you a few more things that's been in my heart in regards to this series we've been developing of settling for less. A lot of people do that. A lot of people do that for the rest of our lives. They'll settle for less. But you don't have to. You can receive God's very best. Listen to what it says here in 1 Corinthians 9.24. It says, you've all been to the stadium... How many of you have ever been to a stadium before? Okay, been to games and all. You've watched people. Now, whether it was a race and they were running on a track or whether they were just racing to get the ball or to tackle somebody or racing down a court to dunk a ball or something, we've been to stadiums. We've seen, you know, uh, how it goes there with these athletes. And it says here, you've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs. One wins. And then what's those next three words say? Run to win. And that's talking to you. Run your race. Run to win. Whoever enters a race to lose. Oh, man, I can't wait to go run my race so I can lose. No, that don't happen. It says run to win. In verse 25, it says all good athletes, they train hard. I mean, they are disciplined in their training. They train hard. And, and, and they really push their bodies. They get up earlier than, than most people do and they work really hard. They, they, you know, push their bodies way beyond what we would probably do so they can reach their full potential. Verse 25 says, all athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. But see, not you. You're after one that's gold eternally. It doesn't tarnish. It does not fade away. It has eternal rewards with it. And then he goes on to say in verse 26, I don't know about you. This is Paul, our apostle. Paul talking, he says, I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm running hard for the finish line. And I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. 
You understand sloppy living? Sloppy living, well, you know where you ought to be. You know the position you ought to be in. But as time progresses, a little bit of mission drift, you kind of step out of bounds a little bit, step back in bounds, step out of bounds a little bit, step back in bounds, step out of bounds. You don't get struck by lightning, you know, you step back in. Yeah. Just kind of sloppy, not really living what you know to do. Getting a little careless. But listen to what he says, and I really appreciate it. Verse 26 says, I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. Think about it. Is this, is this, is this convicting? If it is, then just repent. Say, okay, no more sloppy living for me either. I'm going to go for it all the way. He says in verse 27, I'm staying alert. I'm going to stay alert, and I'm going to stay in top condition. I'm going to discipline. I'm going to train my body to do what it should do. Does your body ever want to do things it shouldn't do? Absolutely. But he says, I'm going to discipline it. I'm going to train it so it will do what it should do. And he goes on to say here in verse 27, I'm not going to get caught napping, spiritually speaking, telling everyone else about it, about the gospel, and then missing out myself. You know, I'm not going to be disqualified. I mean, that's what you call like, I'm going to practice what I preach. And, and if you're a leader or just a believer and you're sharing God's awesome, wonderful truths with other people, let's apply them to our own lives. That's so important that we do. This is what it says here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, And so, dear Christian friends, I plead with you, give your bodies to God. How many of you brought your body with you? About half of you? The rest of you are here without a body. Okay. All right. It says, and so dear Christian friends, I plead with you, give. Listen to this. Give your bodies to God. Lock, stock, and barrel. Title deed. Give him your body. See, when you give God your body, you know, I mean, your, your soul abides there. Your spirit is there. You're giving him everything, you see. He says, give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. We know of the tens of thousands of animals, especially sheep that were sacrificed throughout the Old Testament, even into the New. And God is saying, I don't want any more dead sheep. That was an example. So when Jesus came, they would say, Behold the Lamb of God. They would understand it because of the sacrifice of the tens of thousands of lambs. And when Jesus came, they would understand He's the Lamb of God who no longer covers the sin, but He takes away the sin. No longer necessary to have a dead sacrifice. And, and God's Word is telling us, Give your bodies to God. Let them be a what? Living and holy sacrifice. A giving up. A giving up of your life, a letting go, a surrender to him. I mean, God don't want no more dead sacrifices. I mean, all you can do with those is have a barbecue, you know, but he wants a living sacrifice. A man or a woman who's willing to live their life for him, that's what he's saying. Although to live your life for him, you must die to yourself, you know, if you really want to live for him. And... Uh, Dying to self is just talking about being broken. 
broken to my own will. I mean, you know, in this world in which we live, a lot of times like, I want it my way, you know. But broken to my own will. The verse again, it says, And so, dear Christian friends, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. The kind he will accept. Let me see here. You, you guys know that I don't often take up an offering. Don't y'all know that? But I'm going to take up an uh, offering this morning. So don't get nervous. Well, you can a little bit if you want to, okay. But I'm going to take up, up an offering here in just a moment. Do I have ushers available if I was going to do that? Got some ushers? Okay. Just keep your seat, but be ready if I call you. Object lesson in back room. Okay, all right, let me go back and see what it is. <sighs> it didn't fit in the bag. Okay, all right. We're going to take up a big offering. And I hope before this day is over, you think I'm teasing, but I'm really not, that we fill these things up till they're overflowing. Some of you are really getting nervous now. I know. It's just like, oh, man, what have I done? I come, I visit this place, we're going to take this huge offering up, and we are. But I will be the first one to give, okay? And hopefully as time progresses, your heart will be pricked and challenged and you will give also. So, he asked us to give our bodies as a living and a holy sacrifice to him. We may have read it, we may have kind of mentally ascended to it, but I want to give you a visual object lesson of crawling into the offering basket yourself. And giving your past, your present, and your future to Almighty God. So you can reach your full potential. He doesn't want a dead sacrifice. He wants a living sacrifice. And what we're going to do at the end of the service, I'm going to take these offering baskets and I'm going to put them out here on the floor. And hopefully, so you can get a, a picture that's like, you know, uh, branded into your heart and your soul, your mind. Maybe you can take just a couple of seconds on your way out to stop and step over into that. So you can remember that there was a day when I gave myself, I crawled into the offering basket and I gave myself my body, my all to Almighty God. Let me read this again to us here. In Romans 12, 1, it says, And so, dear Christian friends, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. Hmm. A sacrifice, you know. This is the kind of sacrifice that does not leave you a victim, but a victor. This is the kind of a sacrifice that will not leave you in tragedy, but triumphant. When you give yourself to Almighty God, what there is of you, what time there is left and energy and resources that you have, giving it all to God, you will only increase. You will only be blessed. Oswald Chambers once said, we need to remember that we cannot train ourselves to be Christians. 
We cannot discipline ourselves to be saints. We cannot bend ourselves to the will of God. First, we have to be broken to receive the will of God. Now, when you think of the word broken, nobody likes to think of that term. Broken? I mean, I've had four broken arms. You got you to fix it, you know? That's what we think, you know. All my broken arms were not at the same time. Two of them was, and then this one and that one, okay. But broken, you see. When something's broken, you think, well, Band-Aid, you know, some super glue or something like that. But there is something that's so rich that will transform and change your life once we understand what I'm talking about here. Now, Miracle, our daughter, she's had the privilege uh, at the farm that she goes to, Buck's Farm, over there in Wolkett, and she goes over there and teaches and rides and all that kind of stuff, and she's had the privilege to help them break a couple of horses. Now, when you break a horse, do you call the vet and ask him to bring Band-Aids? No. no. It's not literally breaking the horse in two, but you're breaking it to his own will. How, how valuable is a horse? Is a horse more valuable unbroken or broken? When it's broken to its own will, it becomes extremely valuable. And there's a, a lady, and uh, it, it was just uh, about two weeks after her dad had gone to be with the Lord. Her name's Stacy uh, Wendall, and she has a horse in this little competition deal. And she gets on the horse, and the horse has no bridle, you know, no reins, no bit, no halter, no lead rope, no blanket, no saddle, no nothing. This horse came into the arena the way it was born, you know, nothing on it, you know. And she gets on it, and she really demonstrates, you know, what it means that a horse is broken. And I want you to see that with me right now. Somebody swipe my chair. This will be draw three, exhibitor number 3353, Wizards Baby Doll, owned by Greg Gessner of Strasburg, Ohio. Stacy Westfall will be riding. Stacy Westfall and Wizards Baby Doll. Stacy would like to dedicate this ride to her dad, who went to live in heaven just 24 days ago. Thanks for teaching me to keep trying new things. Stacy Westfall. He said I was in my early forties with a lot of life before me. And a moment came that stopped me on a dime. I spent most of the next days looking at the x-rays. Talking about the options and talking about sweet time. I asked him when it sank in that this might really be the real end. How's it hit you when you get that kind of news? Man, what you do?
your turn to give your score for Stacy.
Can you imagine? That horse was broken. Did it make it less valuable? I bet you couldn't afford that horse. <laughs> and you know something? That horse experiences a tremendous amount of freedom because it's been broken to his own will and does what its master wants it to do. So being broken is not talking about anything destructive in any way. In any, any way, it's talking about being broken to my own will in, in such a way that I'll do the will of my master. That's, that's what we're talking about here. In the book of Romans, let me read it to you one more time. Romans 12, first one, it says, And so, dear Christian friends, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice. And when you think of what he has done for you, is that too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Some about fixing your attention on God, not on the world around about us. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's what Stacy Wendell did. She, she changed, she transformed that horse by changing the way it thought. It no longer just thought as a, a rebellious old horse, but it began to think her thoughts. It, it, it became one with her and the freedoms and the blessings it received were just absolutely amazing. And as you and I understand the, the playbook that God has given us, and think about this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you the way the transformation took place in the horse. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. What's the next word? Then. If we'll offer our body as a living sacrifice to God, okay, and, and then we'll let him transform us by changing the way we think. We, we read and we, we, we get into the playbook here. He says, then you will know what God wants you to do. And how many people have I heard say, well, what does God want me to do? Why am I here? And he says, if you'll offer your body as a living sacrifice to him, and you'll allow him to transform you by changing your thinking to begin to think more like he does. He says, then you will know what God wants you to do. You know, but, but you won't know until you offer your body as a living sacrifice. But then you will know what he wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is and a lot of people say well if if i was to submit and do god's will it would be so boring and so empty you know what that tells me you have no clue about god god who made porcupines and giraffes and kangaroos is not boring and he has never planned a life of boredom for you now, you may have watched some other Christian be bored, and they did not give a good role model for what Christianity is about. But I'm telling you, he says, then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. 
But you won't know until you study his book. You study the playbook and you begin to think the way he thinks. Uh, let me ask you a question. And, and I'm saying this sincerely. I'm asking it in reality. Have you heard from God today? Yes. I have. Awesome. I appreciate that because every one of you can hear from God. Let me ask you. Do you think that that black horse heard from its master every day? Absolutely. Positive, reinforcing, hey, I love you. You're doing a good job. And that horse knew. And I'm telling you that God is a much better master to us than she is to her horse. And she's doing a great job, mind you. When we're broken and say, not my will, but your will be done, and we're no longer rebelling against him, but we've offered our body as a living sacrifice, he says, you will know what God wants you to do. And you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is, and you will hear from God every day if you're looking to hear from him. It tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says, study. Study and, and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God approved. Present yourself to God approved. I mean, you really surrender and, and offer yourself as a living sacrifice to him. He says, study and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by trial. A workman who has no cause to be ashamed. God does not want you living a life of being ashamed. He doesn't want you carrying shame of your past. And he says here, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, but one who is approved of God, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightfully handling, and somehow using and, and, and skillfully teaching the word. God wants you to understand this thing. He wants you to understand it so you can live it, not live sloppily, and so you can communicate it to other people. It's a playbook. If you want to be part of the team, you've got to understand the playbook, and then when the quarterback says, you understand what he wants you to do, you see. Now, this book here, some people don't like this term, but God gives us warnings. And some people go, oh, man, I don't, I don't want to hear about this. Are you serious? Warning? I mean, this book is full of warnings. You understand a warning can, can be a positive thing. Has anybody here ever got a little pink piece of paper from the guys in the cars that goes blue, blue, blue? You know? This is not mine. It's my wife's. <laughs> March the 2nd. <laughs> she took a little shortcut because she was running late. She met a nice policeman down there. <laughs> who could have given her a real ticket. 95 in a 25 mile an hour zone. You know what I'm saying? You know, her, her uncle is Ned Jarrett, and her cousin is Dale Jarrett. It's the racing thing, I think, that is rising up in the family there. But this could have been two or $300 ticket, you know. Is a warning a good thing? Yes. It surely can be. And I'll tell you, there's a warning that's even better than that. 
another car driving up through the road and it's flashing its lights going. <laughs> a warning can be a good thing. Is that right? Yes. It surely can. If when God, we read a warning, it saves us a lot of pain, a lot of heartache when we choose to do things God's way and not just do them our own way. Listen to what it tells us here. This is amazing. The information that God has provided us with that lots of times we just ignore. We didn't even know it was there. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says, And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Now the King James Bible says, when we ask for anything according to his will. And see, we can know what God's will is. He has given us a copy of his will. And we can discover that. And it says here, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him or that is in accordance with his will. And verse 15 says, and since we know he hears us, because we're asking in, according to his will something to please him, and since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also, what's that word? Know that he will give us what we ask for. Now, I didn't write that. God put that in his word. And here's a situation where God would be honored and blessed if you proved it. He would be blessed. And all we have to do is, you know, discover his will and then ask. God's not nervous. Oh, oh, all these people are going to start asking for stuff now. God's going, yes, I got all the stuff you'll ever need for your whole life long. Why aren't you asking? But we ask all, often demanding or selfishly or, or we don't approach him in the right way. We always go to him in the name of Jesus. And we always make sure that we're not out of bounds. Pass me the ball. Pass me the ball. Pass me the ball. Uh-uh. Get in bounds. Get back in bounds. Be in your position. Pass it. Okay, boom. Got it. Touchdown. It's our choice, you see. It's a choice that we make every day. He wants us to put it to the test. He really does, you know. Outside of God's will, there is no such thing as real success. Outside of God's will. Not real success. Not lasting success. Inside of God's will, there is no such thing as failure. That is the truth. Because, well, let me share with you again my favorite verse in the Bible. It's found in Romans chapter 8, but let's look at it kind of slowly. Romans 8, verse 28, and it says, And we think that, oh yeah, and we know that all things, that means every single thing, thing and we know that all things work together we know that all things work together for good even a warning ticket gave me a great object lesson for church was that and it slowed her down just so you know, I ask her quite almost every day or two, don't get in a hurry. Take it. Is that right? I answer that? So I have other people on my team now who's asking her to slow down. Slow down. <laughs> okay. 
And it says, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are the called according to His will, His purpose, His plan. And we're asking, and we're living in accordance to His plan. We're saying, not my will, your will be done, Lord. He says, it's all going to work together for good. All of it. Though you look at it, there's no way this can work together for good. Oh, yes, it can. God is amazing how he does things. Absolutely amazing. And then let me pick up in verse 29, Romans 8, 29. I'm going to read this out of the Message Bible. It says, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. You might have not knew it, but God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him. That's us. To shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. Who's that talking about? Jesus. To shape our lives to be like Jesus. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. And we see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. God's desire to shape us to, to think like Jesus does, to be kind and forgiving and loving and compassionate. And, and when people see us, they see Christ. When people hear us, they, they hear Christ. Where when you, when you see that horse, you don't just think about the horse, but you're thinking about the master who trained that horse, aren't you? It's amazing. And it wasn't just with meanness. It was love and compassion and and, and, and mercy and grace and, 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 and discipline. So God, he tells us right here, he has intended our lives to be shaped to be like Christ. In, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, it says, In uh, Epaphras, from your city, a servant of Christ, Jesus, he sends you his greeting. He always prays earnestly for you, and listen what he's praying. He gives us a little insight on what our potential is. And he says, he's praying for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident of the, what's that word? The whole will of God. Not just that, that, that we learn one verse or, or we learn a, a, a portion of the New Testament but that we learn the whole will of God. God wants us to know his will. He wants us to be shaped and conformed to the image of Christ. He wants us to reach our full potential. And I'm going to tell you something. When you begin to reach that, it is out of this world. It is awesome. It is dynamic. It is everything except boring. When you begin to reach your potential for him. Do you think that horse lives a boring life? It's exciting. He loves doing what he's doing. He has freedom. People can talk. You know, you don't have to tie him up on a chain somewhere. And when you and I have been broken to our own will and we're really submitted to our, our God, boy, we can begin to reach our full potential and begin to walk in the whole will of God. Listen to what it says here in Luke chapter 18, verse 9. It says, Jesus told this story to some who had great, who had great self-confidence. Not God-confidence, but self. Confidence in their self. 
Then Jesus told this story to some who had great self-confidence, and they scorned everyone else. Scorn means they, they belittled, if you, if you would. They, uh, they, they, they ridiculed they dis, with great disrespect. They looked down their noses on people. It says, and Jesus told the story to some who had great self-confidence, and they scorned everyone else. And Jesus goes on to tell the story. It says, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. He was a very religious man. A leader, if you would, in his community. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a dishonest tax collector. Now, has tax collectors ever changed since then? I don't know. <laughs> if you are in the tax industry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. He says in verse 11, he says, The proud Pharisee stood by himself, and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else, especially like that tax collector over there. This actually happened. Jesus is telling the story. It's right there in your Bible. For I never cheat, and I don't sin, and I, I don't commit adultery. I fast twice a week, and I, I give you a tenth of my income. Now, some of the things he's doing is in God's Word, and it's, it's the right thing to do. But this guy is about to bust with pride. Self-righteousness, you know. Look what I did, I did, I did, I did. Look at them, what they did, they did, they did, you know. It says in verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance and he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, such regret of his past and grief saying, oh God, be merciful to me. I am a sinner. I have missed the mark. I have been out of bounds so much in my past. Is there anything you can do with me? I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For the proud will be humbled, and the humble will be honored. So the Bible teaches us. The, the Bible says that God resists the proud, but he, he gives honor and grace to the humble. And, and, and the, the proud will be humbled, not with humility. Something will happen that will just bring them down, you see. That's what he's talking about here. You know, humility. Not my will, but your will be done. That's what that horse did. It was broken to its own will. It, it yielded to its master. As we're broken to our own will, we're saying, not my will, Lord. Not my will be done, but your will be done. I want it your way, not my way. Psalms uh, 51. Listen, listen to what the psalmist said here in verse 7. He says, purify me. I, I need to be clean. I've been out of bounds up here. I need to be clean. He says, purify me from my sins, and, and then I'll be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my, my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Remember, broken is not a bad thing. 
How many of you like to see a beautiful garden full of vegetables and flowers? But you got to break the ground first. With the plow, you got to break up the soil. And then you put seeds in the soil, and the husk on the seeds got to be broken so the water can get to it, so it can germinate and grow. And, and, and every animal, especially the horses that we saw here today, once it's broken, becomes of such great value. Have we been broken to our own will? Or do we maintain, no, I want to do it my way, my way. That kind of pride will not bring the blessings of God. That kind of pride puts us out of bounds. Hey, throw me the ball. I can do it. I can do it. Throw me the ball. You're out of bounds. Nah. You humble yourself. I know the plan. I've worked. I've practiced it. I've disciplined. I'm, I've been working on it. And the quarterback says, I want you to run out there. And you go, okay, okay. We're going to do it your way. Okay, right. Boom. Got it. Touchdown. You can settle for less if you want to. Or you can receive God's best if you want to. The, really, the choice is really up to you. Um, picking up a verse 9, it says, Don't keep looking at my sins. This is there in, in Psalms 51. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. And then it goes on to say, Create in me a clean heart. Oh, God. Renew a right spirit within me. You ever have a wrong spirit? Yes. You know, if, probably not so much here, but other places like... And you start gossiping and talking about people, that is a wrong spirit. It genuinely is, and it is a spirit, a wrong one. Well, our time is about up here. But uh, I want to want to play you a song before we dismiss. But let me tell you the words that you're going to hear, and I want you to be paying attention with your heart. Here's a lady who wrote this song. And she starts off with the song and she says, I am guilty. I'm ashamed of what I've done. What I've become. These hands are dirty. I dare not lift them up to the Holy One. And then the whole theme changes. And he goes, you, you plead my cause. You, you right my wrongs. You break my chains. You overcome. You gave your life to give me mine. You say that I'm free. How can it be? How can it be? It's not natural. How can it be? Let's listen to that together. Let God minister You
How can it be that he would do that? God's crazy about you. He loves you more than any father has ever loved a child, any mother's ever loved a child, any lover has ever loved a lover. He loves you. That's how it can be. God does not sit there condemning. God always looks at you with a pardon, with forgiveness, with grace, with mercy. And it attracts us to him. If you love me that much, considering all that you've done for me, how can I not offer you my body as a living sacrifice? I trust you because you love me, because you care for me. I trust you. I've been broken to my own will. My own will don't serve me very well. But God's will. It serves us well. No victim, but victor. No tragedy, but triumph. When we offer ourselves to the living God, he cares about you. He loves you. He's got awesome plans for your life. You know, I talked a wee bit in the early part about Mildred Zastrief. We call her Millie. In just a couple of weeks, she will be 100 years old, and she has aggressively been serving God since her early 60s. She gave God, she was a widow, she gave God her body, and he has impacted this world in which we live, and she has been so humble, very few people even know her. Very few people know how instrumental she was in what God's doing here. And everything that we touch, she has a major part in it. When a man or woman, boy or girl of any age, offers their body as a living sacrifice to God, he can do amazing things in and through us. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for... The playbook. We thank you for your word that instructs us and directs us and corrects us. Almighty God, we know that your plans for us truly are good, not even to give us hope and a future. Forgive us, Father, for the times we've let you down. But we're here today with great expectation to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to you, that you would take us and you would help us to reach our full potential. You would help us to, to do what we were created to do, that we would find satisfaction and fulfillment and total surrender to you, almighty God. As our heads are bowed, I'd ask you to join me in a simple prayer. Those of you who know Christ, would you join me and reaffirm your faith to him? For those who really have never surrendered to Christ before, not really, would you join us and pray and surrender your all to him today so you can reach your full potential and establish an awesome relationship with a God who is absolutely crazy about you? Let's pray together right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. 
and I believe that you offer me pardon. You offer me forgiveness to remove the guilt, to remove the regret, to remove the shame. That's why you sent Jesus. I believe that Jesus gave his life, shed his blood for me. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and offers eternal life to all who would believe and to those who would receive him. I receive Jesus as my Savior right now. And I offer myself, I offer my body as a living sacrifice. It's not too much to ask. Considering all you've done for me, I give you my all. Transform me, Lord, and change me. Change my thinking. I want to do things your way. Not my will, but your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we leave, I just want to challenge you if you prayed with us just now, genuinely surrendered yourself to Christ, ask Him to come into your life. If you would stop at the little uh, connections desk in the back, we've got a little gift for you, a bag. It's got a Bible, a movie, some other little goodies I believe would inspire you. And don't forget, if you would like to kind of act this out, you know, Feel free to come by, step into it for a few seconds or something, just so you get that little snapshot. Like, you know what, Lord? I gave him the offering today. We took up a big offering today. I gave you my all, my past, my present, and my future. I give it to you because I trust you. I know, I know it's a good thing to do. You're not going to hurt me by giving it all. But if you'd like to do that, please take advantage of that. And um, if uh, you're a guest today, the connection's this in the back. We've got a little gift for all of our guests. Nice little gift. Just let you know we appreciate you coming out today, and we hope you come back. And if you need some prayer, there'll be some folks right here around the altar who will pray with you. And I'm telling you that God still answers prayer. He does. He's told us how to go about it, and he hears us, and he answers our prayer. So if you need some prayer, take advantage of it. And then, if you would, on your way out, uh, don't forget to uh, greet somebody, talk to somebody, meet somebody you haven't met before. Oh, and finally, on your connections card, it just simply says, I am determined to discover God's perfect will for my life in his word. That's where you're going to discover it. And if you say, yeah, I'm going to do that, check it off, drop it in the tithe box. God bless you. You are dismissed. Don't forget to bring us a card for Millie. Sooner